0: I hope each of you have with you your autobiography. We have our copy each, so there is no fighting. Some of us have read this book several times. Some of us have only glanced through it here and there, have, you know... They know there's treasure in here, but it's the book can be a little heavy for a complete read. But either way, we all know that it contains certain gems Um, And more than anything, it it contains Yogananda's consciousness that he's kind of seeded into this book. He told Swami Kriyananda, when Swamiji first came to him, if you liked my book, it's because it has my vibrations. So this is what we would like to go deep into, Yogananda's vibrations. With that little intro, let us start where it is most appropriate to start, the first sentence of chapter 1. Chapter 1 is, My parents and early life. Now, of course, the first sentence is one that every author, no matter who it is, is going to put a lot of thought into because this is setting the tone for the entire book. And of course, Yogananda's first sentence to his autobiography is, The characteristic features of Indian culture have long been a search for ultimate verities and the concomitant disciple-guru relationship. Now, in one satsang, we talked about this a little bit, but here we are again. First sentence of Yogananda's is that the Indian culture's main characteristic, and this is important for us to constantly remind ourselves because it may not seem that way right now uh, that this is the main characteristic of the Indian culture, but it has always been this, and even now it continues in that direction. There are saints all over who are very committed to ensuring that the Indian culture is, of course, a wide word, but the Indian psyche, the vibration of this land, is committed to knowing truth. And, of course, he says, and the concomitant disciple-guru relationship. Now, the word concomitant means that which naturally accompanies. So, if your intention is to find truth, the natural accompaniment For that intention is going to be the disciple guru relationship. And this is what this entire book really is about the disciple guru relationship. And the fun thing here, of course, is that Yogananda has used the term disciple guru relationship and not guru disciple relationship as it is normally said, because he wants the emphasis to be on the fact that it's the disciple's role that is more important in this relationship. The guru knows his job. The guru already knows, I have to free this fellow. Let's see now how much he wants to be free. How willing is he to do the work? How open will he be to receive my consciousness and vibration? And therefore you can see Yogananda very stressing that point by ensuring that he says disciple guru relationship. So here's where he starts. This is the Indian culture. This is the search for truth. And if you are on the search for truth, then you have to participate in the guru disciple relationship. Okay, let's look at the next paragraph. I find my earliest memories covering the anachronistic features of a previous incarnation. Yogananda is talking about how he was being born, just coming into this world. Clear recollections came to me of a distant life, a yogi amidst the Himalayan slurs. Snows. So, of course, he's remembering who he was in a previous incarnation. These glimpses of the past by some dimensionless link also afforded me a glimpse of the future. But what I found interesting here is Yogananda is saying the glimpse that he had of the past is a natural flow that he knows now this is the life that it will lead into his current life, into his future. And what that means for us is whatever we were in our previous incarnation, chances are we are more or less that same individual. Our consciousness has not drastically... Chances are a little slim that we were a king and now we're suddenly a beggar. Chances are slim that we were extremely rich and now we're extremely poor. You know, it's just our consciousness more or less is continuing. But more importantly, what it says to us is, what we do now is also going to determine what's going to happen next. So, we need to be very careful what consciousness... shaping in this moment because as the past is it will afford us a glimpse of the future. How you feel now, the joy you feel now or the fear or the sorrow or the longing or the attachment, what you're experiencing now is what's naturally going to be your experience in the future because it will stay with you one way or the other. So that's an important little thing for us to remember that things aren't going to drastically be one way or the other like okay is life may not maybe next life will suddenly be that much better. And chances are slim that it'll happen that way. Um, and finally, I just want to on this first page itself talk about Yogananda saying that among the inward confusion of tongues, now he's just a little child, he's hearing all these all this language around him. He said, my ear gradually accustomed itself to the circumambient Bengali syllables of my people the beguiling scope of an infant's mind adultly considered limited to toys and toes, So sweet. Um, Important thing here for mothers and those of us who've been children, the influence in those first few moments is actually quite great. We think children don't know what they're, you know, what we're saying. We're just going goo goo gaga at them or we're just perhaps shouting in front of them, or were being negative in front of them, or joyful and positive both ways. And the child is receiving this, because the soul has come with an infinite knowledge, but now that knowledge is being, you can say, condensed into its present form. So if you have little kids around you, be mindful that they aren't just uh, not yet fully functioning, so it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter how you say it, because then their soul knowledge will start to solidify and say, "Ah, okay, this is how this life is. This life is one of strife. This life is one of competition. This life is one of, you know, putting out a lot of energy. Whatever it is, the child will start to receive it from that early age. So let's be mindful Narayani?
1: can you hear me i think you have brought wonderful points from the first page and i don't want to stay any longer there but i just want to um reiterate uh, the point at the beginning the first paragraph what you were saying about the disciple guru relationship and then he goes on and says my own path i love that word that he uses my own because it may not be for everyone to have the good karma to have a guru eventually we all have a guru and sooner or later he will appear in our lives as the scriptures say when the disciple is ready the guru appears but i loved that word my own path each one of us have a specific unique journey and it just leads us every lifetime wherever we need to go but in this lifetime a Yogananda said I was here to meet my guru and then he was on and he says my own path led me to a Christ-like sage so he not only introduced the concept of disciple guru relationship but he goes straight into the consciousness that his guru had like right away my own path led me to my guru so this is exactly what shuja was saying the whole book is about but i would like to mention that that not only he introduces the concept but his own guru at least the consciousness that his guru had i'm going to pass move on and go to the next page because the first page uh, yogananda is introducing a little bit how his soul came into this new body, into this new country, I mean how the soul um, came into uh, the body and describes a little bit but then he goes on and this paragraph he writes, My far-reaching memories are not unique. Many yogis are known to have retained their self-consciousness without interruption by the dramatic transition to and from life and death i found this fascinating because what yogananda is saying here in his own case he came back here on this in this incarnation as yogananda with the consciousness he retained the consciousness, he was already united with God. So he came with that knowing, with that memory, impregnating in every cell of his being. And made me realize that these self-realized masters, they see their soul evolution as a continuation. They don't see like death and life, you know, like where there is this little you know, periods where we now, right now, I'm Narayani. I don't know who I was before. I don't know what I'm going to be in the future. I I don't have that memory. And in this lifetime, through meditation, through our practices, we are trying to remember who we are. Where are we coming from? Where do we need to go? In this case, Yogananda or any great master, they come with that knowing and they interact with this world from that consciousness so it's good for us to remember as much as we can and perceive life as a continuation and hopefully through our practices keep reinforcing the knowing and awaken the memory that we are already one with god and I just found that like very very fascinating his consciousness wasn't influenced by the concept even of reincarnation of we have been something in the past and in this lifetime we are somebody else and need to learn new lessons he already uh, understood what was all about and then he had to play the drama of life I really like that and do you want to comment about mm-hmm. it? and then on the same page towards the end this paragraph i really really enjoyed too um, he talks a little bit about his parents and um, he says about his father he was kind grave at times stern loving him dearly we children yet observed a certain reverentia, reverentia, revered, reverential distance. An outstanding mathematician and logician, he was guided principally by his intellect. But Mother was a queen of hearts and taught us only through love. And he describes a little bit about his parents. I find this also extremely important because he, in a sense, is Mm. sharing how we are influenced by our parents and how much we learn from them and even their own samskaras, their own tendencies are being affected us and they are shaping also our mm, adulthood -hmm. Adulthood. so made me realize that we should be very not only grateful but open and perceive the influence that our parents uh, had on us and especially right now watch and listen carefully because perhaps many of you right now the coronavirus have gone back home and you are finding yourself in that uh, close proximity with your parents and it will be good for you for many of us uh, to see what um, we can learn from that relationship and now how can we positively be influenced by their consciousness anyway i just f- felt very um, that he spoke so beautifully about his parents and how influential they were in his um, Becoming who he became And only and also bring out this other very little paragraph uh, He say Yogananda a daily gesture of respect to father was given by mothers Dressing us carefully in the afternoons to welcome him home from the office. This seems like a very perhaps unimportant line there, but to me, this brings two aspects. One is his mother's consciousness, how refined she was. I mean, nowadays we can see mothers, some of our members, I mean, I see them sometimes struggling with one or two kids just to keep the house, you know, running and make sure the kid goes to school and everything is taken care of. And it takes a lot of energy to raise children and not only to raise children, but to make sure that at home everything functions and is harmonious and yogananda's mother she had eight children and this is something that she did daily those eight children at that specific time at that moment they were properly dressed everything was kept harmoniously everything was just ready as an act of respect to her husband and made me realize what a tremendous also amount of high energy she must have had in order to just raise those eight children and just keep things uh, functioning daily i don't know if they had uh, helpers or not but it it says a lot about the kind of energy and consciousness that uh, yogananda's mother had and for all of you mothers you know to take inspiration from how much it takes not only physically and worldly to run a house but you know the consciousness that you can bring into the world as a householder i will pass it on to you
0: thank you Continuing on that same page, there's this little story, little anecdote that Yogananda goes into. Uh, Yogananda says that his mother was always very open-handed, whereas the father was a little bit more uh, uh, austere with his spending. And so one day, Yogananda's mother comes to her her husband and says, Please give me ten rupees for a hapless woman who has just arrived at the house. Why ten rupees? (laughs) One is enough father added a justification. When my father and grandparents died suddenly, I had my first taste of poverty. My only breakfast before walking miles to my school was a small banana. Later at the university, I was in such need that I applied to a wealthy judge for aid of one rupee per month. He declined, remarking that even a rupee is important. So this was her father's reasoning, justification, and of course, it makes perfect sense. Money is important. We have to be very careful. We shouldn't just be randomly just giving it away so people don't have the respect for it. However, let's see what the mother says. How bitterly you recall that denial of that rupee. Mother's heart had an instant logic. Do you want this woman also to remember painfully your refusal of 10 rupees? which he needs urgently. Now, of course, you see in Yogananda's autobiography, he's chosen these really seemingly just sweet, lovely anecdotes. Oh, this is how my parents were. But of every story, he's trying to convey something and he's not saying it out loud. He's hoping that each of us will subtly, just reading it through our own inspiration. But in our lives, there are so many things that we look back bitterly toward and rather than making us more compassionate it actually solidifies our reason why others should also therefore experience what we experienced you know i didn't get enough love so now it's harder for me to give it i didn't have enough money growing up so now everyone has to make sure that whereas that experience can be neutralized can be completely overcome and washed away from our karmic database if we do the absolute opposite in helping others not experience that. And this is a very fabulous piece of advice for each of us. If we're facing any issue, if there's a certain karma that's kind of eating at us, try to think, what's the opposite? What would I do in my own life? What would I have liked to have experienced in order not to go through this? and then just pass that on to somebody else. And this word over here, this sentence, mother's heart had an instant logic. Let your heart also be as logical as your mind because there's higher truths that sometimes the mind misses out on. Okay, page six. You have anything, Narayani, Uh, marked? mm, No, actually, do you
1: have
0: anything? I just had this, uh, again, As Narayani said, Yogananda, in the first chapter, he's establishing a little bit of who his parents were. Also, because it really does help us see, in our own lives, how we draw subtly from these qualities of our parents. Now, scientifically speaking, we'll call it DNA, and you know, I have genes of my mother and I have genes of my father. But of course, karmically, we choose these families, each of us, just as Yogananda chose his, because there are qualities in them that either we need or we already have and resonate with, and or we need the experience of young enough, so it awakens in us again in this lifetime. And Yogananda's father, he talks about how uninterested he was with money at the same time. He was very judicious but his own life was very austere and he talks about his father suddenly after his retirement receiving 1, twenty-five thousand rupees as, you know, his overdue for the work he did that he never actually asked money for. 1, twenty-five thousand rupees and we're talking about the 1800s here, late 1800s. This is a lot of money. And so he says that when he received this money, it was so unimportant to him that he didn't even mention it to the family until Yogananda's younger brother saw the large deposit and brought it up to the father. And this is what his father had to say. Why be elated by material profit? The one who pursues a goal of even-mindedness is neither jubilant with gain nor depressed by loss. He knows that man arrives penniless in the world and shall depart without a single rupee. Now we've heard these words before, don't be too happy, don't be too sad. And a lot of people see this as some sort of like this grim state of boredom that but this state of even-mindedness is recognizing that joy is mine no matter what. And it's an important realization to have that you come with nothing and then you leave with nothing, yet we get so caught up in the process between these two ends of nothingness. We get caught up with having and then that having begins to define us, not just in this life, but lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And Yogananda in his own life had to go to America, make a lot of money, had to build a big organization, had to spread Kriya Yoga and teachings of Self-Realization, which was just zero, didn't even exist in the West, yet he had to maintain, because he comes from a wealthy family, you can see Ogananda's father was doing really well, yet he had to maintain that distance. And it's important for us, if we're able to, always to maintain a little distance, especially when it comes to money.
1: I like somehow his father um, consciousness already even before he met his own guru Lahiri Mahasaya, and we'll explain a little bit about it. But he was so um, he was a man of principles, and he stick to them until um, from from day one. I loved how he already knew about the law of karma. I mean, so precisely, he wasn't never, and Nishkan karma also, he was not never worried about he was getting, getting from his job, but how much energy he was putting out. And eventually, years later, I mean like many years later, that energy that he put into motion, into action, came back to him in the form of extra financial income so anyway just like very nice to see how it is important for us whether we are the spiritual path or not we have a guru or not to keep some principles always in mind and just do our best in whatever we are doing whether at your office at home the chores that you are performing just don't focus as much uh, how you are going to be acknowledged or recognized or whatever just just focus mostly on the energy that you put out in whatever you do i like also talking again about his parents i mean it's just amazing the things that yoganandash selected um, about sharing uh, about his parents and he says here in the next paragraph early in their married life my parents became disciples of a great master lahiri mahashaya of benares this contact strengthened father's natural ascetical temperament mother made a remarkable admission to my eldest sister, Roma. Your father and myself live together as man and wife only once a year for the purpose of having children." And this is something that (laughs) Yogananda somehow felt important to share with all of us, otherwise I, I, I want to think he wouldn't have put it in the book and I selected that because it says already the kind of um, moderate um, souls they were not only moderate I mean yogis already they were just living a very mm, centered life very conscious I mean they came together only with the purpose to invite souls to this earth so it was everything very deliberately everything very there was a purpose and intention and a very pure motivation to come together as husband and wife and it shows the purity of both of them and i don't know i just felt quite um inspiring to bring this out as a householder how you know yogis they they came already as as parents of Yogananda. Mm -mm -mm. and also another thing on the same page about Yogananda's fathers a little bit he had a tendency there because he says talking about one of his employees reprimanding him because he was very religious and he was very obsessed about his guru and all those things so Yogananda's father tells to his employee are you going to become a religious fanatic when he was talking about his guru and Yogananda's father keeps saying concentrate on your office work if you want to forge ahead so in a sense even though he was a man of principles he was a yogi at heart but we could see he he had um, a tendency of be a little dismissive somehow like very focused of what needs to be done right now and very practical and very you know don't go too out of where you need to be focused on and it's so interesting because sometimes when we become a little bit dismissive of other people or a little bit judgmental, we can see in ourselves, we, try, we tend to perceive life in the way that we think it should be and we just create these boxes as this is how life should be lived and, and don't open ourselves to the possibilities of a greater reality, to explore a greater reality. In this case, Yogananda's father had the great karma to be corrected almost instantly by a vision of uh, his guru, Lahiri Mahashaya And in that vision, uh, Yogananda's father realized that he should become more humble in his um, attitude of just um, how he uh, became so dismissive towards other uh, spiritual practices and the spiritual path in general so i thought that that sentence you know good to bring out the kind of attitude he had and how quickly He was corrected as many of us when we tend to be a little bit critical or judgmental, how our guru or life or the universe or your own karma just sends something to you so you can really learn and redirect your way of thinking. From this page,
0: continuing that story, this is the same uh, employee telling this story to Yogananda. And he says, you know, after the father has reprimanded him, he says, sadly walking home from office along a woodland path that day, I met your father in a palanquin. Now again, the palanquin shows that Yogananda's family was quite well off. So the father was, you know, coming with servants and I mean, this is an image we don't usually associate. Anyway, so, you can see that Yogananda's father's station and the family station was fairly high. But Yogananda's father gets down and walks with his employee. And while he's walking and tell, trying to console his employee, he points out the advantages of striving for worldly success. But inwardly, this employee says, My heart was repeating, Lahiri Mahashaya, I cannot live without seeing you. How sweet, huh? Inwardly just calling out to his guru. And then he says, Suddenly there in the field, only a few yards from us, the form of my great guru appeared. Bhagavati, you are too hard on your employee. His voice was resonant in our astounded ears, and he vanished as mysteriously as he had come. On my knees, I was exclaiming, Lahiri Mahashaya, Mahashaya. And Yogananda's father immediately says to his friend and employee named Abhinash, Abhinash, not only do I give you leave, but I give myself leave to start for Benares tomorrow. Now, there are two things here that touched me. One, it's actually Yogananda's father who attracted the vision and not so much Abhinash. <laughs> Even though Avinash was the devotional one, even though Avinash was saying, Lahiri mahashaya you know, I cannot live without you. But it was Yogananda's father who needed that. And if I think of my own life, I was like Yogananda's father, perhaps in many ways. Very logical, easily dismissive of other people's, you know, thoughts, ki kuch aur bhi chal rahe, some greater reality exists. Um, but then, just as miraculously, where well, Yogananda did not appear in a field to me, but this book did, just as miraculously, and it changed my life completely. And you can see here, the second thing is, Yogananda's father immediately not like, oh my goodness, ye kya ho gaya, and you know, just instantly saying, not only do I give you leave, I want to do this. So he was so open that the moment life would show him that there is in fact something else going on, he immediately changed all his past understandings and said, okay, this is what I'm going to give my life to. And if in our own life we feel, oh, you know, I'm not devotional enough, or I see this other guy and, you know, look at him, he believes so much, he has so much more faith and I don't, don't worry too much about those things. If you really are sincere, if you're striving for truth, and this is the important reality, this is where Yogananda's father was, he was looking for what's true. He was not trying to say what I think is important. He just said, oh, work is true, striving hard is true, uh, making an effort is true. But then the moment a greater truth was revealed, he was instantly able to accept that as well. So if you're looking for truth and you feel you don't have certain things in your life, don't worry because you will attract them once you plant your feet firmly on the path towards truth. Do you have anything to say, Noriyani?
1: Mm, yeah, before you move on, oh, do you want to move on? I
0: no, I think I'm right here. Okay.
1: Just very briefly, because right after that vision, um, Yogananda's father, he says, I will take my wife and ask this master to initiate us in his, spirit, in his spiritual path, will you guide us to him?" This is um, Yogananda's father talking to his fellow um, disciple. And this is something I thought very important to keep in mind, especially when we are about to embark a spiritual path, there is a tendency to push aside. Uh, certain people, or your partner, or whoever you think, you know, is not equipped or ready uh, to enter into this journey, or you just, we become sometimes a little bit selfish. And I appreciated so much how the instant first thought that Yogananda's father had was me and my wife together as a householder i mean i'm going to invite her i'm going to bring her as a part of this process so the blessing is not only for me personally individually but this part of my life also needs to be included needs to be embraced needs to be accepted into and and receive the same kind of blessing that i'm going to receive and i loved that because eventually if you are living the path of householder it will be very important for all of us to always consider it the other person and bring them part of the blessings that we are receiving and i really like it wasn't for him a process he had to think through it was just so innate so natural of course You know this is something that us together um, have to receive and have to implement in our daily lives and eventually become an example of perfect parents and householder yogis and i thought that line was very very powerful actually for him to right away um understanding and realizing that The person he's spending his life with should be part of this process. Um, Yeah. Yes? Yeah, I will comment if you have. I have also more things. Yeah, I
0: don't have. You can go on in this page.
1: Okay, Okay, I also selected here Mm -hmm. a brief paragraph. Mm, when, then it says that of course Lahiri Mahashaya had a very um, strong interest in Yogananda's life so that's perhaps why he also embraced his parents, he knew through them Yogananda's soul would come so that meeting with both of them was very very important, I mean crucial it was already predestined, predestined? predestined Distant, distant, yeah. So here is when Yogananda is being born, in his maybe when he's five, six, seven years old. Of course, I mean, he grew up with the image of Lahiri Mahashaya in his house and he meditated with his mother uh, day and night together. So he grew up already with this unseen presence of Lahiri Mahashaya around him, and he says that there was a specific picture in his house, and he says, Yogananda, this picture of Lahiri Mahashaya had a surpre- surpassing influence over my life. I grew, the thought of the Master, as I grew, the thought of the Master grew with me. In meditation would often see his photographic image emerge from its small frame and taking a living form, sit before me. When I attempted to touch the feet of this luminous body, it would change and again became the picture. As childhood slipped into boyhood, I found Lahiri Mahashaya transformed in my mind mind from a little image crept in a frame to a living, enlightening presence. I frequently pray to him in moments of trial or confusion, finding with me, within me his solacing direction. And in, he goes on talking about how much that picture influenced not only his childhood but how from that image, the image will just come out of the frame and materialize itself in the form of Lahiri Mahashaya. This made me think yesterday, so many of us, at least for us if you see our house, we have pictures of our masters all over the house especially in our altars, how many times I have sat in front, of, in front of the altar, seeing the pictures, okay, pray, meditate, I finish my meditation, Bas done, without creating such a deep connection with that specific Picture an image of these, of each one of our gurus, of the masters, to the point that that relationship will attract the physical manifestation of one of the gurus. I mean, this is something that Yogananda draw already from his childhood. I mean, he was able to look at a picture and to draw the blessing of a materialized master in front of him, in this case, Lahir Mahashaya. So I'm wondering (laughs) what I'm doing wrong not to attract that kind of blessing and just see a picture of my guru or any other master as just picture uh, and I think that's something that I want to change in my approach especially when I see a picture of any of the Masters from now on when I sit to meditate I'm going to be very conscious of the kind of energy that I not only put out when I see that picture but what comes out of it and, and I thought that was quite remarkable how we approach to a picture to a frame of our gurus.
0: Continuing quite literally from the next sentence when Narayani left off, this is a very, very particularly interesting one for us. Here, Yogananda says, at first I grieved because he was no longer physically living. As I began to discover his secret omnipresence, I lamented no more. He had often written to those of His disciples, who were over-anxious to see Him, this is Lahiri Mahashaya, said, Why come to view My bones and flesh, when I am ever within range of your kuthasta? Isn't that sweet? And all of us, at least the, those of us who walk this path and uh, recognize Yogananda as our Guru, you know, there's always this part of uh, when we come to the discipleship uh, classes, before people feel ready and wanting to open themselves to the grace of Yogananda, there's always this question you know, in the body, not in the body, everyone, the scriptures say it's so important that we have to go. But here's Lahiri Mahashaya saying to his own disciples in his own lifetime, why come to view my bones and flesh when I am ever within range of your kuthasta? And then Yogananda having the same thoughts that you and I would have happened oh it wouldn't it have been nice if i was able to have seen him in his living form and then he says but as i began to discover his secret omnipresence i lamented no more and narayani already touched on this it's so important for us you know not to have these pictures and these understandings of the guru and just Hope with our heart that somehow our relationship is true and real. You have to make it very real. When you feel Yogananda's omnipresence, then you know there's is, there is no concept of time and distance. There's no concept of Him not being with us or having been far away from us. He was forever here, always here, no matter what. And that's what we should be feeling day in, day out, through our meditation, even beyond our meditation, the secret omnipresence of my Guru is always with me. And there's nothing nothing left in our heart to say, ah, oh, gosh! Anyway, just very sweet and very clarifying, so that it's not just, oh, until he's not in the body there, I haven't had the blessing that I need. Okay, you want to go on? Mm-hmm. We should keep moving ah, Well, we're very close to ending. Maybe let's, we should
1: Yeah, let's just work a little bit more about this of I'm ever with range of your Kutashta Chaitanya. Importance
0: of so. Okay. Narayani is saying let's talk a little bit about I am ever within range of your Kuthasta. Now Kuthasta of course is the master actually goes ahead and in brackets he calls it spiritual sight. So, of course, we have our physical vision and our physical vision only sees photos, only sees things as they appear to be. But the Kuthastha can see far, far beyond. And it is in our meditation especially that we're activating and awakening the spiritual sight, opening the Kuthastha as Shiva's third eye, that it sees behind form, that it sees beyond form. And um, I think in many ways, the absence of Yogananda's physical presence, and in some cases for us, even Swami Kriyananda's presence, is the impetus we need to want to see them as they truly are. Because Swami, in fact, would say to us often, you guys are fortunate in some way, even though the heart may not fully accept this, you're fortunate not to have been distracted by Yogananda's physical form, because now it is easier for you to accept Him and receive Him in His infinite cosmic form. And that should be our attempt with every meditation. We should enter into our meditation always saying, Master, Guru, I want to see You as You are. I want to experience You as You are and come to me. Yogananda always, when he guided meditations, he would say, close your eyes, uplift your gaze and mentally call out to God, reveal thyself, reveal thyself. This was a standard practice that he would pretty much say every time because that's the yearning that we should have. Reveal yourself. Not, okay, I'm meditating because, um, you know, I have to meditate, it's an, I do this an hour every day and it makes me feel good and I feel a little peace and the rest of my day is more smooth. No, I, I want to know God, I want to know my Guru in his omnipresent form. I want the Vishwaroop that Arjuna had of Krishna because Arjuna thought Krishna too was, you know, here this limited form until, whew, whoa, wait a minute, no, he's everything, he's everyone. And for Arjuna, that was too much. He had to say, please, Bhai, please, Guru, come back to your regular form.
1: So, as Shri was saying, um, I would like to propose for each one of us for this week um, to whenever we sit to meditate, of course, do your practice, your pranayam, your hongso, your kriya. om, the kriya, everything. But at the end of your meditation, in that period of silence, if you feel inspired, and this is something that will help us to not only develop devotion, but to draw, who knows, perhaps the physical form of one of the gurus, um, visualize, at the point between the eyebrows, the image of one of the Gurus, in this case can be Yogananda, Lahiri Mahashaya, Babaji, whoever you feel inspired, but look at the picture of that image, of that Master, with concentration, with the knowing that he is with you, and he has to come to you, approach to you. So look at that picture and then close your eyes and recreate that image at the point between the eyebrows and develop a relationship with that master. Allow him, ask him to show you the consciousness he has. And this is something that perhaps will be a nice thing for us to, to practice more consciously and more devotedly.
0: Let's take a moment. Can you imagine, we only went through a few pages, but I think this will be really nice because we get to really go as deep as we want into the autobiography. But now, let's just close our eyes and inwardly thank Yogananda, thank all Masters of all religions for the blessing of sharing their lives with us, for giving us the Scriptures which I include the autobiography as a modern scripture for us. And then receive. Let's as always share their grace with all. Please pray with me as you visualize this world, our planet, and all souls everywhere. Divine Mother, Mother. Great Masters, Thou art omnipresent, and Thou art in all Thy children. Manifest Your healing presence in all bodies, in all minds, and all souls. Let's rub our hands together, gathering this blessing, allowing this energy to flow into us and through us, and then sharing it with all, chanting Aum three times. Oh Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. God bless you all. Please have a fabulous day ahead and stay safe and strong and stay in the light.